When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Whiskey Ginger fans? Welcome to the show. If it's your first time, like I've said, welcome to the show. Please subscribe, uh, do the notifications and all that good stuff so you know when the videos pop up, especially because we have different art that gets thrown up. We do different thumbnail art exclusive every single week uh, by Jenna Sundy, my girl who's phenomenal, who creates great art thumbnails for each and every episode. So uh, they all look different and unique. We think that's fun, so let us know... uh, let us know that you also enjoy it instead of getting the same thumbnails every single week. We like to keep it mixed over here. Um, AndrewSantino.com is all the information that I can provide for you in, as far as changing up all the dates on tour. I know people are like, when are things getting rescheduled? We're working on it right now, man. We're trying. If you go to AndrewSantino.com, you can see all that stuff. What's rescheduled, when it's rescheduled for, certain shows that are canceled that aren't rescheduled yet. We're all trying to get this, through this thing together. Um, you can also go on there, join the Patreon where you get uh, exclusive one-on-one content. With uh, me, we do Cheeto chats and all sorts of bonuses and fun stuff like that. And there's merch on there too. I know it's tough times for a lot of people, but if you're interested in uh, grabbing some merch, it's all there at andrewsantino.com. I'm blabbering on as usual. I need to shut up so you can get to the episode. Enjoy it. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. Oh, that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. Gingers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest today is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests, but I mean it especially today. It is Ron Funches. Ron Funches, baby. Hey, Cheeto. My baby boy. We were talking about video games earlier. Ron is into Animal Crossing. He's got a $2 million uh, stake in turnips. You're selling turnips, huh? Yeah, I got in. I mean, I bought the turnips for about $500,000. About to make two point three mil. So... So wait a minute. Can you in the video game world of of selling what's considered what's considered richness in the Animal Crossing game? What's a lot of money in that? Uh, I mean, probably a lot. You know, like real life, ten million, twenty million. You know, it's the same as real life because you're yeah. selling a turnip for five hundred dollars doesn't seem real at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what the economy. Hey, you things keep going how they going. We might be selling fish and turnips and shit. Yeah, you might be. You're that actually, do you have anything? Do you uh, at your house? Do you have uh, a vegetable garden or something like that in real life? No, uh, uh-uh, no. I look. Foolish. Dude, I want. I want one. Mm-hmm. I want one. I got an orange tree and a peach tree, and we eat those. But I real now. I've now. I actually want. I see why white people love vegetable gardens. I get it now. <laughs> After all these years, I'm like, oh, I get it because it's. You can go in your backyard and just get something. Well, it's no, really you nice. said you said you said white people, right? But like you know, so yeah. know that it is also very popular in the very militant black community to have yeah, your yeah, own yeah. garden because you don't want to be eating food from the government. I know, I understand. I think whites, I think whites do it differently. That's more of a strategic thing. I think whites do it to show off. <laughs> Like black people do it because it's it's like intelligent necessity for them that they think that's like I don't want to I don't want to get it from the man and I don't want to deal with somebody else's shit. 
a white person does it so they can brag in their community. That's like a very like braggadocio thing to be like, we have a carrot garden and and lettuce. It's bullshit. My neighbor has a garden that goes an entire city block. His whole The whole side of his house is one city block. He bought all this property and it's a huge vegetable garden. And I want to steal from him so bad. That's He's a, out there every day. I, I want to take it. That's a beautiful neighborhood. It's nice. Hey, cheers to Ron. I'm having myself some Buffalo Trace. Ron's Ron doesn't drink, but he's having a uh, there's a little bong there. Should we you take a hit and let me take a sip at the same time? Yeah. Sounds good. Great. Mmm. You know what's going on with my neighbors? Uh, what's going on? Well, I hate my neighbor, uh, which is fun. All of them or just one of them? Just just the one to the left. He's he's the real yelly guy. He yells a lot at his wife. He yells a lot at his kids like every day. Ugh. And then Gross. one day, um, my son, who is special needs, his school bus was blocking his driveway. And he came out yeah. and honked and yelled at the bus driver and even like revved his car like he was going to hit the special needs school bus. So I got what? up in his ass. Um <laughs> <laughs> So I got up in his fucking ass. Yeah, I got yeah. real up in his face, got real ignorant until I realized his son was there. And then I had to back down because I didn't want I don't A, don't want to be a bad example. B, I don't want to go to jail. Uh, so right. I had to right. you know back off of that. But he's been real calm with us since then. Uh, but now right. he's been stuck at home with his family and his wife and they are falling apart. His yard looks horrible right now. It is like <laughs> it's one of the few joys that I'm getting. And it's, it's watching his family fall apart from the outside. <laughs> I love that you get to seek revenge through doing nothing at all. Like yeah. You just get to sit back and watch it crumble. Oh, yeah. His <laughs> yard right now is horrible. There's like big ass stalks growing up. It's like. Wait, is, is it is it because him and his wife have been fighting? So you've heard them fight for years, huh? Uh, well, for, for two how years, long? Two years. years yeah. Two yeah. years. That's wild. Does what does he say? Can you make out what the, what what they're yelling about? It sounds a lot like that uh, Will Ferrell Saturday Night Live sketch where the guy's just yelling at his yeah. kids all the time. He's like, "Get, Get off the shit!" Yeah, 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 that shit. Yeah, it's like yeah. that all the time about him, but him yelling at his kids and yelling at his wife before he goes to work. But now he can't leave, so it's real. It's real. He's stuck. getting real over there. So is it was this was this hatred uh, a, a dual hatred from the from the jump right from the get go? Did you guys not like each other? Oh, I had no. I come in with no beef ever, but he kind of right. came in a bunch of times and was being like, as soon as we moved in, you know, probably because I moved in and I'm like, you know, I'm at the time, oh, you know, mid thirties young black kid and he has his whole family over there and he was just i didn't even right. have my um fiance or my son at the, there at the time so uh he was just like what are you doing here you know and kind of just you know coming over all the time. one time he came over and he complained because he said my garbage smelled too bad that <laughs> that he could smell what yeah <laughs> That's not a real thing. <laughs> I was like, just wait for a trash day then, man. I don't know what to yeah, tell bro, you. It's 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 four days away. Okay. Yeah. At any moment in time, if the trash smells too bad, it's four to five days away. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. And I, it's not like it's in my front. You know, it's where it belongs. So, you know, ever since right. then, I kind of hated that guy. He's try So he's trying to find shit to get mad about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because he hates his wife and he hates his kid and he hates his job. Mm -hmm. And you're young and successful. 
and that bothers him. Yeah. So all this stuff is sad projection that he just wants to take out on you. I'm so glad you see it because that's how I see <laughs> it too. Because I'm like, okay, I mean, because I'm chilling. We having fun over here. We be playing music over here. And then I could tell, yeah. like, obviously because his yard's not doing well, he barely holding on to keep that house, right. you know? He barely holding <laughs> yeah. on over here. We stockpiling, looking for the next house, you know? We selling turnips over here, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, we was until this shit happened. But now- <laughs> Ron, you know what would be the greatest, like the most beautiful kind of universal revenge that would happen? Hmm. Is if this guy had to get out of the house and you bought his house. Oh, I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just pull a Drake. To buy his yeah. house would be so would be so disrespectful in such a great way. Man. You know, that's what that's Drake what did. You know, that's what Drake really did. Wait, what do you mean? He bought his neighbor's house? Yeah, his neighbor was complaining about him playing music too loud, so he just bought his neighbor's house. Oh, how great. How great. <laughs> what a great way to say fuck you. Yeah, yeah I'll just buy you then. Bye. <laughs> There's some... Well, so it's like, we got lucky because most of our neighbors, most of them are pretty cool. You know, like... Oh. In fact, the coolest the coolest dude is um, this dude right next... Literally next door. He's an old... Uh, he, old, older British dude. He works on cars all day in his driveway. So he's kind of like the neighborhood watchdog. He's just a nice, uh, a nice dude who drinks, who's cool, who's chill. And you know, I'll come home and he'll be like, "Come over for a drink, Andrew." And I'll just head over there. We'll have a drink. We'll talk. And he, nothing bothers them. Like I've, you know, there's been times when I'm like, "Hey, we're gonna have some people over in the pool," and like, you know, it's people are gonna be coming and going. Just letting you know, because you know, our backyard's side to side, mm-hmm. and he could, they can hear everyone out back there. And he was like, oh, we don't care at all. Like he, he did, they've never given a shit. He's been, we've got, we got lucky. We got super lucky, you know? Yeah. You just roll the dice. It you move into is. a place and you hope that somebody's cool, you know? Yeah, but it's all, I mean, that's what you want. It's just space in between you, you know? I'm just happy that yeah. I've gone from like, I used to live in like big ass apartment complexes where there were like, you know, people above you, people to the left of you, people below you, yeah. you know? Same. So, same. I yeah. know, I can deal hey, with yo, the one so, guy. So, so tell me, speaking of moving on up, now that you're now you're living large and you're gonna buy this guy's house and shut him down, you uh you got you have do you have two shows on Quibi? Or am I stupid? No, I have one show. One sh- <laughs> you, you have one show on Quibi, but yeah. did you do you had in development more than one show with them, am I wrong? No. Mm-mm. No, I had you know What was What are you talking about? Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You I thought you were doing a show that was like um it was like roast battle, but like the nice version. Yeah, that's what I am doing. Yeah, that's what you, you are still doing it. Yeah, but the name changed. Maybe that's what it that's was. That's what name it totally probably changed. is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's called Nice One now. Yeah. It's kind. Of, it's like right. Boast rattle and and um, you know, like at midnight. It's pretty chill. It's gonna be. It's fun. Are you enjoy, have you, how, have you shot a lot of it or what? Yeah, we shot eight episodes. So I'll be out May twenty fifth on Quibi. Um, I loved it. I fucking loved it. I mean, I never hosted a show before. Um, I didn't know if I'd like it, but I, I really do like it. And mostly because it reminds me of like going back to hosting standup shows where it wasn't really your job to get over as much as it was your job to get the whole show over, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really like, I, I, I kind of take a pride in like 
getting my friends over and talking about their accomplishments and talking about how funny they are. I, I think that's important. I think that's something that we kind of overlook a lot in comedy that we're, we're, we're taught to put ourselves down a lot as comedians. And I think that yeah. does comedy as a whole a disservice. And so I'd like to be like, this person's amazing. They've been in this and this and this and this, even though you never, you don't know them, you know? And that's a lot of what this show allows me to do because it is, called nice one it is about being nice to each other so i we make jokes about like oh you're so successful you were in this you're in that you know and right and then it's a weird way of writing jokes but it's also it's a way as a person who loves pro wrestling it's a way of putting people over it's a way of saying how important someone is while also making jokes and i, I like that i really had a great time all the writers were awesome i just hope we get to do more that's dope, dude. Speaking of which, by the way, so May 25th, right, Quibi? People should watch that when it comes out. Um, but speaking of pro wrestling, I literally just read that Florida deemed uh, <laughs> all WWE activity as an essential, right? As essential, so they're allowed to continue on. Mm-hmm. Now, but when they say that, they're allowed to wrestle, but the fans are not allowed to be in the arena. Is that what it is? That's what it is. Right. So all, everyone that's wrestling is allowed to still continue to wrestle. They're still going to film it and stream it live. And and it, now, do people have to pay? Is there like a pay-per-view for it now? Or is it just going to be... It's, you know, they have their cable shows, their weekly cable show, and their show. they have a show on NBC. But I'm saying, like, in, instead of... Because like, when they televise live events, is there not going to be spe- a special version of the televised? Is there anything that's going to be, like, special or different from it? Or it's just going to continue on just without an audience as a whole? It's going to continue on without an audience, just how they, how, I mean, that's how they did WrestleMania, which is, like, their biggest event and um, thing I normally go to every year. And this year they just did it with no audience. They had, um, but they also taped some matches, like movies. So they did, like, some, and that was fun. Um, but you know, I think this is stupid as fuck. You know, there's no way that that's an essential business. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm a biggest pro wrestling fan in the world, but I don't see the point in putting a bunch of people's lives at risk and making them fly all over, you know, their jobs very similar to ours where they're just flying all over the place all the time, staying in hotels. And this is not the time to be doing that. So I think you should just let them go home. I think it's a, I think it's a very foolish endeavor, but I just think, uh, People are going to make their choice. You know, this teaches us about the way society reacts to anything. It's like people are going to do what they're going to do. They don't give a fuck what you tell them. Like just the other night, they busted a nightclub in Miami, uh, like an underground nightclub or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they had like 250 people that were coming and going throughout the night. It was just like a secret nightclub, a secret bar. People were going to and getting drunk and dancing. And it's like you, you can make all the rules in the world and everybody can respect them at different levels. But people that want to do whatever the fuck they want to do are going to do it no matter what you tell them. People are going to show you who they are. People are always going to show you who they are. And on on many levels, there's going to be people who are like, yeah, you can't tell me what to do. And there's also like, you see a lot of like, we're finding out who the helpers are and we're finding out who people are trying to take advantage of this situation. So many people, so many fucking companies had a commercial out dealing with this like within five minutes like i've talked about yeah. it before but the thing i hate the most i heard this five hour energy commercial where they're like hey we're normally your get up and go energy drink but if you can't get up and go we can be your stay at home and still give the boss a good day's work energy <laughs> drink and i'm like go fuck yourself five hour energy you, yeah, that's how you like gonna be shit. at this time you want me to be worried yeah. about my fucking boss fuck my boss <laughs> 
that should be Ron, that should be a Ron Funches speech. Uh, you should put out a commercial that's like, fuck my boss. You think I'm worried about my fucking boss? Fuck Five Hour Energy. <laughs> fuck my boss. I'm Ron Funches, and I approve this message. We'll just put out a campaign. <laughs> Do you drink that shit? Have you ever drank that stuff? That five hour energy? No, all that shit? man. I've always Never. been as a conspiracy theory dude. I've always been like, I don't believe into a solution to that into a problem that's made up. You know, like if you're tired, yeah. nigga, go to sleep. You know, like <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck it's, am I gonna drink poison instead of just right. taking a nap? Right. Do you drink? Do you drink coffee? No, man. I used to. I used to when I was in high school. I was real into it, and I uh, would get migraines if I stopped. Like it's just real, you know, like almost yes. blinding migraines. And so I, for the most part, I don't. I don't really fuck with caffeine. I I, I have a um like a sugar free cola every now and again. But for the most part, I don't really fuck wow. with caffeine. That's brave, man. I don't know. How, like I, I got to tell you, my my biggest vice has always been Coke in a bottle. It's I, I oh, it is so yeah, hard man. for me. God, dude, it's 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 like it is my one thing that I know it's it's so I can't give it up. Like I'll be as healthy as I can in so many aspects of my diet and me exercising. But like I have to have a Mexican Coke once in a while because the, it's so fucking good. It doesn't make sense. It's when it's hot out and you have a cold Coke in a bottle. I don't know, man. It's I don't like I almost don't give a fuck that it can take. It can strip metal. You know what I mean? I don't, it's so goddamn good. I don't hey, give a brother, shit. Hey, brother, I, I agree so hard. This is why I can't do it. I agree too I hard, know. man. I yeah. love them. I love them. As uh, soon as you said it, I, I not only did I think about drinking a bottle of Coke, I was sitting at a restaurant in Highland Park eating a burger and an onion rings and, and a, drinking a Mexican <laughs> yeah. Coke. As soon as you said that, I knew exactly where I was. <laughs> yeah, you felt it. Yeah, you I could feel it, it in your body. Oh, yeah. God. Ron, when you, when you, uh, when did you, when, because did you ever drink at all or you never really drank? I'm allergic to alcohol. Um, I tried to drink when I was 18 and um, it just, it take, puts me in like a shock and I um, my throat closes up and I projectile vomit. It's not a pretty thing. Um, no, <laughs> don't don't ever do that. Then yeah. let's not have you do that. When did you really discover that you enjoy that smoking pot was not just something you enjoyed, but became kind of like a part of your lifestyle? You know what I mean? Because it's, it's definitely like a part of who you are as far as like you as a as a creative person. I know you like to you like to smoke when you perform and when you when you're creating stuff. So when did you know that that was the thing that you loved? Um, I had an inkling very young. Um, when I was, <laughs> yeah, I, I never, like I was a pretty good, good kid for, for a long time. I knew, cause I just kind of knew like my, my dad, um, had drug addiction issues. I had like a lot of stuff in my fa my, family about that and so i i decided very young i never was like oh i never want to try cocaine i never want to try heroin i never want to do these right. things because i know if i try them i'm probably gonna love them but i also yeah. knew that hey i want to do probably i mean probably gonna want to smoke weed and i was a nerd so i would do research and i'd go like oh no one's ever died or no you know look at all these things you look at alcohol and you know oh just you know ob objectively i'm just looking at things i've never done any drugs at this point and i'm going oh this just seems better you know right and so yeah. i always had an interest but i still never tried it until like i was like 16 years old and my friends were getting into it and i was still trying to be a good goody goody 
And so I would just be like, no, I'm going home. But like you sit at home <laughs> long enough with your dad while all your friends are getting high and you're like, oh, you know, maybe I'll try. <laughs> maybe I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. Maybe I'll try just a little bit. And I yeah. tried it once and I uh, red vines had never tasted more delicious and scary movie too was now the best movie I'd ever seen. And I was like, I think I like this. And uh, what was your what was your first was it out of a what was your first wizard like my first bong. way of smoking a bong wizard bong real holy old shit yes that's wild i was out of a pop can no 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 an apple it was out of an apple was the very first time and then the second time was out of a pop can and then oh, after I that love. i was like uh I think we should smoke this out of a glass thing because the pop can seems to be tasting very bad when we smoke out of it. But I remember those days, people would you'd crush a can if you could find one, poke yeah. a bunch of holes in it. If you didn't have anything to smoke out of it, was it was it worked? Oh yeah, I laugh about those days with, with my friends all the time talking about uh, pop cans or apples or knives. They're talking about how my parents, my dad, being like, "Where are my butter knives?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> taking. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because oh, some people don't know about taking like a knife hit that's so funny like people don't I, I think after generation and generation it becomes a thing that like I'm sure for our parents you know for that generation of pot smokers the ingenuity was different than ours and then the kids today their ingenuity is so much different because they're the way of obtaining it is so different like do you do dabs are you a big guy into dabs or no I used to I used to do dabs I got Heavy in the dabs pretty much right after I was getting divorced and stuff. And I was like just walking around trying not to feel. Um, and I, yeah. I, um, I think they're very efficient. And I think, but I truly think they are for people who like really need that for people who are sick, for people who need like 80% THC. Like when right. I was doing that, it was making me take naps at two in the afternoon, which was fine when I didn't have voiceovers and shit to do, you know? But right. once I was like, Oh, I kind of like being successful and like being a businessman. Like I, I didn't like having, cause I would get high and then be like, okay, I have to fight it and go get to my voiceover, you know, cause I wouldn't wait, you know, and now I've learned right. to like wait and just use it as a treat. And then also me just smoking flour makes it so that I can maintain a level and not, you know, pass out. Yeah. I'm the, I mean, I'm a big flower guy. I don't, I don't, uh, I I've tried some of that other stuff and I, I you know, either my, 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 my penance for it has changed. I just don't really love, I, I used to love to get super, super high when I was very young. Yeah. I've been smoking pot since I was 15, you know, and 20 years later, 21 years later, I, I guess I just don't love getting that obliterated anymore. Maybe it's, I'm growing up different. Maybe it's my age. I don't know what it's also, you know, I, not to sound like a, a fucking old man boomer, but like the, the pot is, is generationally stronger now. It's just, it's gotten so much more potent yeah. than it ever was when we were young. So it's like athletes. Is LeBron James a, a better athlete <laughs> yeah. than Michael Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. That's just how it goes. So the, the least, evolution has gotten stronger. It's what happens. Right. You're you're not wrong in that. I completely agree right. with you. I used to call it chasing oblivion. That's what I was always looking for. I was always trying chasing to oblivion. get to where my toes were tingling and I was about to pass out. That's how high I wanted to get. And then I realized, yeah, as I got older. It was more about like, oh, if I keep doing this, I'm going to have to quit smoking pot at some point. I'm going to get to the yeah. point where I'm going to have to go, oh, this is not healthy for you. 
this isn't good for your son and this isn't good for your business. And when, when things like, I love fucking having fun, I love fun. But as soon as things start affecting my son <laughs> or my business, I, I have yeah. a very clear thing in my brain to go fucking cut this shit out. And so right. I never, I was like, I love pot. I don't drink. I don't do other things. So it's like, I don't want to get to the point where like, I'm just like, I just love life. So, you know, I was like, I better start slowing down. <laughs> yeah. That's good though, dude. If to have that kind of mindset, that, that mental check down is important because not a lot of people have the ability to do that. So it's a, that's a big, that's a, it's a grown up move. That's what I like. To, you know what I mean? It's just a grown man move to be like, Hey, I got to fix this shit. This is going to get to a place that I don't want it to be at, you know? Um, speaking of grown man moves though, bro, are you, you, uh, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but you mentioned fiance. When are you getting married? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Sometime <laughs> r- real soon, you know, we really, whenever, when, uh, I think I'm, she, you haven't planned a date yet. Is no, what I'm saying. no, 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 no. The lab, okay. you know, in which we were actually, we're real lucky about, but it's, it's like not, it sounds like I'm nonchalant about it, but I'm actually really, really planned about it. Like, so we, we got engaged in November and we were just like, let's take the rest of this year to just chill and be engaged. We're going to go to Japan. We're going to enjoy being, uh, you know, I guess newly, newly engaged. And so, right, right. and we'll talk about it at the beginning of the year. We'll start planning. We'll start doing stuff. And so then we started doing that and I've been married before and it didn't go well. I got married very young and I had my son when I was 20 and, uh, it just was not a great relationship. And both me and my fiance come from um, backgrounds where our family had done with some domestic issues. And so I was like, hey, we both have these backgrounds. Um, it would probably I know we love each other very much. And I also notice that sometimes when we get in conflict, I know I can feel it in my veins. I'm like, oh, I'm being triggered about old stuff and I can see it in you. So let's go to the couples therapy and hang out and and, and do that for a, a while or, or, you know, for a few sessions and then just set the groundwork because I don't want to have a third marriage, you know, like, right. so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this shit again. Yeah. Yeah. No. So we're just kind of in the middle of that right now. And then once we're done with that, we'll, we'll, we'll set a date and we'll send out some invitations. Hopefully you'll, you'll, right, you'll, you'll come and we'll, well I just, I was, I was just curious cause I'm, I'm happy for you. Cause I know that, you know, you've been a, a single dad is, uh, I, I imagine extremely rare. I'm, I'm a lot of times, if anything, it's usually single women that are raising kids, but you've been a single dad when I met you obviously for the first time. And I, and I learned that you had a son and I was like, that's wild. Cause you know, we met, I don't know, 10 years ago. Plus, I don't even know how long ago. And, you know, as we start to come up in comedy, there's already so many struggles already. But when I learned that you had to be a dad as well, I was like, God, that's such a tough, that's a tough grind to be a single father and trying to wiggle our way up in this unfair, uncouth, ridiculous business, you know? So it's great that you're now you're at a point where things are going great. And you're going to get married. And I, I think that's awesome. Would you have another kid or no? Yeah, yeah, I want to because I want to see what it would be like to do it on on what I call easy mode, you know, like, right. I, <laughs> I, I had my son. We had no money. You know, I would wake up trying to be like I, it was literally day to day living. It was like, how wow. what am I going to get him for dinner tonight? And how am I going to figure that shit out? To, and that's how my day would begin. And then I had to figure that shit out before the afternoon. And so it was a very, very stressful time period. And I still 
lot of love. It was awesome. I wouldn't have changed. I, I would have changed it. I would have changed the money part. A lot of people say yeah, you wouldn't yeah. change nothing. I would have changed nah, some changed, things. Change the money part. Yeah. <laughs> but I did get to spend yeah. a lot of time with him. Uh, you know, as yeah. a dad, I got to see his first steps. I got to see all that stuff. And and oh, and it's kind of cool having someone with me. That that whole that old rap adage of like you weren't with me, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. You in know? the gym, and like I love this, that. this yeah. kid was shooting with me in the gym. You know, he was with me from the open mics. You know, he went with me to some open mics, and now he, you know, and then he went to me with me to my special taping. You know, and so it's it's things like that where I and our relationship is like that where I feel like. Oh, like I owe you like he's and he knows so many aspects of life where I'll be like, oh, what do you want to do for spring break? And he'll be like, I want to go to Walport, Oregon and stay at a Motel 6. And I'm like, fuck no. (laughs) 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 We'll never do that again. If we did, but that was what because it had it has a nostalgic and a nostalgic thing for him. Was he born in Oregon? You had him in Portland. Yeah, had him in Oregon and Salem, Oregon, and we lived out on the coast. And he used to go to this pizza place a lot, and because they had taken baked pizzas that would let you pay with food stamps, and so it was a fun trip for him. But for me, it was like, okay, we can actually make this look fun and nice, and I can pay with an Oregon Trail card. Uh, So I see why he likes it, but it don't bring up good memories for me. Um, but isn't that wild to think that how you, how we perceive something uh, when we're children versus how our parents actually lived it is so uniquely different because as as someone, as a youth, you know, you're not privy to the bullshit. So like he's still clean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he didn't he didn't see all the shit that comes along, which is a good thing. But it's wild to as we get older that you see what your parents were seeing sometimes. And yes. you're like, oh, fuck, I, I understand now why that's why they didn't enjoy these times or whatever it was but it didn't bother me because i couldn't fucking see the shit you know yeah why why you're like why are you so why are you so angry <laughs> you're like because yeah. the lights <laughs> might be cut off soon <laughs> you know <laughs> uh but i think it'd be fun to have a new kid who who hopefully doesn't have to experience those things and then i right. i think i'll be a better disciplinarian because i feel like they you know they have it too good and like you know fuck them isn't that the worry though? I think about that all the time. Is like, you know, people comment uh, often negatively about uh, living in LA or like, oh, you're gonna raise a family in LA, and you know, there's always a, there's, people always have comments about that. And like, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't really give a fuck what other people think about, wh- you know, where I live or how I live my life. But it's always interesting to me that like I kind of want to give my kid when I have one a similar upbringing to how I had it. But I, it won't happen here because L.A. is so uniquely different from how I grew up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So those kind of things I think about a lot that you're like, well, you want them to live good, but you don't want them to live spoiled mm-hmm. because then they won't appreciate shit. They won't, they'll never ask you to go eat pizza at the Motel, Motel 6 in Salem, you know, because they'll, they'll want to go eat at fucking Tavern on the Green at Barney's. You know what I mean? Like they'll think oh, yeah. that like. Those These are the, things are you. It's hard. It's hard when norm when 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 um uh, uh privilege gets normalized because then kids like Beverly Hills kids they don't fucking know any better. So it's hard for me to get mad at those kids because they don't they don't know they 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 have no other perspective. Yeah, you have, um and I'm sure you might be able to relate to this, but you ever go to like you go to a meeting or something. Somebody wants to meet you at like some fancy hotel or or, mm-hmm. or whatever, and you go there and you're kind of like man like look at me like i'm 
I've come from open mics to this and I'm like working hard and, 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 and things are going good. And then you walk in and you go to the restaurant and sometimes I've seen like a five-year-old kid in a blazer yeah. walking yeah. around like he owns the place <laughs> yeah. talking to the, yeah. the cook and you're just like, right. holy <laughs> fuck, Shit. what the, yeah. I was just happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I That's such a real thing. Yeah. In here, we pour whiskey, whiskey. This episode of Whiskey Ginger is brought to you by Buffalo Trace. Buff Trace is the only bourbon with balls. You can see his nutsack right there on the label. It is my favorite sauce. I've talked about it before. I've been preaching them for over a year to you guys now. Um, they're not just uh, uh, one of my favorite sponsors. It's actually some of my favorite juice, dude. I love this stuff. I really do. I drink it all the time. So I was happy to pair up with these guys since 1773. They've been creating their own style, doing their own thing, making it in their own house not putting it out to other people. They're very cool, man. I visited down there uh, at the distillery, and uh, they make really, really good sauce. Unfortunately, right now, you can't visit the, visit the distillery because it is uh, closed because of COVID, sadly. But uh, they're still kicking ass and making great, great bourbon. Uh, they won Whiskey Magazine, named them the best distillery in America once again this year. Done it before, dude. Act like you've been there before. They have. This buffalo stands strong, man, and uh, this company is great. This is also why I'm, I'm very happy um, that they're my sponsor, not only that I like their sauce, but also because they're closed down doesn't mean they're stop, stopping uh, making bourbon because it's deemed as essential, as we all know. But they they are doing this thing. This is wild. They're going to donate um, one case, 12 bottles each of Clear Spring 190-proof grain alcohol to any of the following approved Kentucky-based businesses or nonprofits. If you're a first responder, government agencies, law enforcement, 501c3 charitable entity, or health care, we'll put the link in the description below. Um, they will give you a case, any of those businesses, for, uh, for sanitization purposes because it's 190-proof. I mean, that'll make your teeth fall out if you drank it straight. Um, that's just alcohol, just for... Uh, just for cleaning, not for consumption. This stuff is for the drink, and that stuff is for keeping your hands and the facilities safe and clean. So if you are one of those things, link in the description below. Please in, uh, enjoy uh, the love that they're sending out. Uh, Buffalo Trace is distilled, aged, and bottled in Buffalo Trace Distillery themselves. 90 proof, Franklin County, Kentucky. Buffalo Trace, baby. It's American family-owned and fiercely independent. Drink it up. Back to the episode. Ginger. I like gingers. Having me at the Hollywood like Bowl, I went to go see Chance the Rapper, and I was so excited because I had these like middle seats at the Hollywood Bowl, and I was like, "Oh my god, these are so expensive and fun!" And then I look around, and there's like all these eight year olds and ten year olds. There's like whole families where the mom had paid for like six kids to go oh to the Hollywood god. Bowl, and yeah. they're all like walking around texting, not giving a shit. And right. I, and I was right. just like, I know how much these tickets cost. You fucking <laughs> listen to every lyric. <laughs> You're yelling at her kids. You're like, hey, listen up. <laughs> you, you know how expensive you listen up. Put your phones down. Pay attention to chance. <laughs> I get that, dude. I get that. Like, I, I, I feel it a lot. And it, well, also because, uh, you know, when I get put in situations like that, I'll never be comfortable. I always kind of feel like I'm not, I don't belong in those, those situations because I, I didn't have it when I was young. It wasn't like a, I wasn't privy to some of those things. So when you get them as an adult, cause you've earned them, I'm still uncomfortable sometimes, right? Like even when I stay at a nice hotel, when we go and we stay at like a really, really nice hotel, 
Sometimes I feel like even the staff knows that I don't belong, even though I can afford it and I paid for it. <laughs> I feel like they even look at me and they're like, nah, this is, you know, this is not what he's used to. You well, know what I'm, I mean? Like, I'm I, glad that happens to you because then I don't feel like it's all racism now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron, it is, it is, but it's, it's, it's because of my hair. It, it's a, it's a hairism. It's a hairism more than it. But I've never, no, I've sure. never felt that way though. I, I, I think one of the rare, one of the things I like about myself the most is that I, I, I think because of my upbringing, like, like, like my, my, you know, my, my mom and dad were never well off, and then my mom was a single parent. Um, but my aunt and stuff were like doctors and lawyers and things like that, and um, so, and my mom had always put in culture. She was always about like, let's especially we grew up in Chicago. She was like, well, I can't afford to do these things, but I can take you to the museum on the free day. I can take you to this, right. that, you know? And so we go to the natural history museum a lot, the museum of science and industry a lot. And we would just talk about traveling a lot. My mom always was let me know that even though we were in the South side of Chicago, that there was this whole world around me, you know? And yeah. so now like I'm comfortable wherever I go, really. Like I've been, I'm comfortable in in a trailer park i'm comfortable in the projects i'm comfortable in a fucking nice ass house that's what i prefer the most really like, <laughs> like when i'm in a nice store or something i'm like this feels right <laughs> yeah that's nice i mean i think i think like again like the perspective is is nice we were just such like a i was just used to like middle class lifestyle like like middle of the road working like both my parents worked and so fancy stuff was never part of my parents' agenda. It also comes from a place of like, um, you know, like you're supposed in my in my family or my lifestyle of growing up around us. It's like you get made fun of if you show off. You know, mm. for us, it was always like and it's embarrassing to have something nice almost. I don't know why, but it was this like. You shouldn't talk about it. If you have it, you shouldn't brag about it. That's you come up recently yeah. um, and, and around us because I think me and my fiance, we grew up differently that way because um, she has similar middle class. But I think because I grew up below middle class, anytime that we got to celebrate, it felt earned it was like fuck yeah right. we got this fuck yeah we got a new car fuck yeah we got this. it was not like yeah um feel bad about it it was like right you know celebrate it because we worked hard for it and we know things can change at any time well i say that and i mean it's, dude i'm learning to have that perspective more of like you know i i get told often that it's like dude you should be you should be happy or celebrate these moments because sometimes i breeze by them in life whatever they are little achievements because i feel like i'm like don't get too excited about it because they can take it away from you or you don't want to you don't want to seem like you're too proud. It's it just there's something I'm learning to get mm. over of like ce celebrate the fucking small moments, enjoy it. Don't feel embarrassed about success or 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 when things are just good. I'm, it's not just about money and career. It's just like life in general to be a little bit more happy about those things. I'm wor I'm working on that. But that's Brother, a, that difficult. makes me that makes me both so um it makes me that gives me so many emotions it makes me sad that you feel that way that makes me yeah. excited that that's going to change for you and that makes me jealous that you're this good right now with that weight on your back because when you take that weight <laughs> off your back well, man man how good are you going to be when you let yourself shine man 
Yeah, Jesus. maybe. I, yeah, I know. I'm working. I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying, dude. You found like you've. I, I, as long as I've known you, you found a new. Um, I felt you shift a new perspective of yourself and the way you value yourself in comedy, and that's a big thing. And like I said, I think it comes along with your shift, um, and and what you've accomplished and stuff in your career and what you've done. I think comes along with the way your life has kind of. You know, like when you know when like Legos or or mm-hmm. toy pieces just snap together perfectly. I think for you, like I, I can physically, I could physically watch a lot of things snap into place. That it was really cool to watch. I mean, you know, like when you do, you do meet your girlfriend that eventually became your fiance, and getting your house, and you know, like as your son has gotten older, all these things have kind of clicked a little bit more. Which is, I think, the thing that we're all striving for is to make the puzzle piece snap right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's hard. You have all these fucking things you need to balance. When they start snapping, it's cool to watch, man. It's very cool to uh, watch. Th- thank you so much. That means a lot to me. And um, that's a lot about, and I, I never really get to talk about this, so I'm so happy you bring it up. But that's a lot about my, my comedy philosophy. Like, I, I have a firm belief that y- y- your comedy and your success in comedy is firmly tied to how... You are, I mean, if you want to use the word spiritually, whatever, like mentally, how, however your well-being is. So to right. me, they can't get far off. You, you, you can see that sometimes where sometimes people will make this character and that lets them be successful. But the real person is not happy and the real person is, becomes trapped in that character, you know, or, right. or sometimes right. we just don't let ourselves be successful because we don't let ourselves. We feel well, we don't deserve it or whatever. Um, and I had always like I that was one of the main reasons I went into therapy is because I was having and this is me, just my soul therapy um, was that I was noticing that I wasn't letting women get close to me because I you know, because of my first marriage and stuff and that I was very quick to mm-hmm. like I was looking for a reason and anything that showed me a reason. I was like, all right you're not the one out you know and <laughs> right, so right. and 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 for the most part that was fine that was actually a good thing but there was a couple sure. of good women that i was like you know what i think i might have you know i i was the one who fucked this up and so and when right. i met when i started dating my fiance i was like she's a really good woman like i was like this is a really good woman and i don't want to do the same thing again and so i got into therapy and i was just like I don't I want to stop being so focused on mostly on money, you know, because I like at my favorite. And when I started comedy, I didn't give a shit about money. I just wanted to be funny. Right. I just like I wanted funny and I wanted to pay my bills with comedy. And that was it. And then I wanted to take care of my son and make sure he had a house. But even after we got the house, I was like more 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 and i wasn't sleeping i wasn't you know doing i was just and i wasn't making decisions based off of if it was going to be fun or if it was going to be good or i was making decisions off of is this going to make me more famous is this going to get me more money and i never gave a right. fuck about being famous i never gave a shit about that and so i had to kind of take a step back and really refocus and I'm loving it now. I really owe a lot of it to my fiance as she she's gotten me off of of tweeting all the, the fucking time getting into Twitter fights and, <laughs> and that's healthy as shit. <laughs> Twitter is fucking Twitter is a cesspool. That your fiance is 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 a bright woman to get you off of that is a good step because most of us need to get away from the toxic sh- like that shit is toxic as fuck. Yeah. You know? It's very very toxic and it's just and and, and it's just 
it never solves anything and it never when I, I, cause again, it started seeing it affect my business. Cause I could see the numbers where I was like, Oh, I'm getting into a fight with these people. I think I'm right. In fact, I'm pretty sure I know I'm right. But then sometimes other people are going in and tweeting the third tweet in my fucking diatribe, you know, and then going, right. look at this jackass da, 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 da. and I'm losing like 10, 15,000 followers or whatever, every fight I get into. And I'm like, you know, this isn't necessarily money, but it is the opportunity to reach people. So yes. why am I just getting involved in this bullshit when I could just let my assistant tweet out dates and I can go about my business and talk shit with my friends on a, on a, in a group text, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> save that shit for a group text, bro. That's so, it's so true. Like that's, that should be a, a, a that should be an autobiography called Save That Shit for a Group Text. So many things that I think and we say comedically, it's like, just say it to your buddy. Don't put it out to the world because you don't need the bullshit. Like the trouble that comes from it, it's just it's just not worth it half the time on Twitter, you know? Not just the trouble. It's also a double-edged sword of like, let's say you go the opposite way. It used to be that like some people could get some writing jobs or like people could see how really, really funny you were. Now, like for example, my friend Blair Saki, she kills it on Twitter all the time. And every time she posts in something that isn't like, even if it is personal, some other account will take it some celebrity account, some fucking, some boxer took her account, her thing, and then just said it was his so that his 1.5 million things thinks his, this fucking dumbass boxer is funny, you know? Right. And it's so it's yeah, like, it's, why you just keep that joke and make money with it. Right. Well, that's, I feel that way about Twitter as a whole. Like I, I like, you know, I, I didn't engage on Twitter much. I still don't really. It's tough for me because I just don't, I'm, giving jokes away for free is just odd to me. It's, it's like, I'll give you little snippets of things that I might think are funny, but when someone's like, you know, why isn't your Twitter engagement high? It's like, cause I don't feel like writing jokes for free. Like that's fucking crazy. And I'm giving it away to people to use. So usually I'll just put up bullshit on there, random stuff once in mm -hmm. a great while. You know, one of my favorite things to do, honestly, Ron, that gives me like pleasure is, uh, once every up a month or so I'll, I'll ask people, I'll say, hit me up at me if you want to get roasted. And you got to have your photo. Your photo has to be there. I have to be able to see you and your profile has to be unlocked. And it's just usually fans that will want me to make fun of them because it's like this fun bond we get to share, you know, just and it's always something minor and small. It's yeah. never it's never that mean. But the fact this it this weird thing comes about from it of like the love they know it's all in love and the love that they receive from you making fun of something that you can both laugh at. It, it's one of my favorite fucking things. It just, it's this, it's this moment that happens with fans where you're like, oh yeah, you can take a joke. You know, I'm playing around. There is no, there is nothing vitriol about it. It just feels so good for a little moment in time. It's the one thing I like about Twitter is fucking with the fans like that mm -hmm. because then I know that, oh, they just, they love comedy. Like they, they, they just want to be a part of something fun. You know? Yeah, I like but that. that other than that, I don't like it. Yeah, I missed in that aspect. I think, you know, obviously when, as, when it gets closer to my show dropping, I'll probably um, 
ask for my password back so that I can get back in there. <laughs> right now, though, sometimes I randomly talk shit on things like, um, but it's so fun because you have to know just how hard I have to work to talk shit to someone on Twitter now. I because yeah. I don't have my password, I have to go in and just remember their Twitter handle and then put it into Google and then look at their page and then figure out what shit I want to talk and then text my right. assistant and go, "Can you tweet this?" <laughs> <laughs> what a bureaucratic system you have to go through just to talk shit yeah yeah, yeah because now they know because before it was like oh i'm stoned at two in the morning and i say some random shit and i wake up in the morning and there's like a blog written about me and so now it's like i write it out and i send it to her and then she'll be like okay this is fine oh she'll be like no you can't you can't fucking say this <laughs> right right <laughs> have you ever have you ever tweeted something that got you in big trouble is there something you've tweeted that's gotten you in some big trouble multiple times yeah lots of times like some, no but but i mean something detrimental to like that was actually like a that you had to that like you did that you knew was really bad and 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 collapsed either a relationship or uh, you know I mean, have you, has that happened? Cause you've gotten in trouble, I guess you could say on the sense of like you getting someone saying some people getting up in arms about what you've said, but I don't think that's like getting in trouble, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. I consider getting in trouble. Like my manager calling me and letting me know something has happened. You know, I've never, well, have you ruined a relationship via Twitter? Have you ever broken a business for a personal relationship? And it's just been like, that's it's spun out of control. Probably a couple personal relationships, but just people who I only knew through Twitter anyway, I think right. I did yeah. some Michael Vick jokes about how, you know, even if you're pro animal, like, you know, it was 10 years ago. So even if those dogs had the best of lives, they're dead. They'd be dead. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And some people really didn't like that. <laughs> it's a like that's it's such an obvious it's a joke. It's such an obvious It's a joke, but it's also joke. how I felt. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is, I mean it's true. It's a joke, but it's true. Yeah. yeah, right? So many of the best jokes are fucking true. They're true. Yeah. Like there's so much there's truth laced in it, you know? Yeah, and it's just like I mean cuz to me I just don't I just didn't it just came from the pro your sports see guy a little bit. The Pro Bowl yeah. was happening, and and they were invited him to come, and then they, they like a half a million people signed a petition to to not have him be there. And I it just really struck me. I was like, it'd be one thing if he never went to jail, or you know, had to yeah. actually like you you as you decide. He should still continue. He can't go. He can't go toss the ball around with his friends because it's nothing he did ten years ago. Yeah, I think. That, I, I mean, this that we're we're a we're a violently hypocritical country when it comes to things like that. We're okay with people doing certain things that we overlook or we we let slide, or even or even it happens and and they don't catch as much flack. Um, and we pick and choose. Uh, society does on who they really want to get the most mad at. And I got to tell you, it feels like a, it feels like, you know, Plinko from fucking the price is right. It feels like Plinko. It feels like it just landed in your slot. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Oh, you, you, it's like, cause some people get it in a way that others, I can't explain, you can't explain it. It's a, it's so many factors. Like you remember, you remember when David Letterman had an affair with his assistant or whatever. And then he went on that night and the, in his monologue, 
before he did it, he was like, hey, I had an affair. Uh, you know, it's between uh, what's going on is between me and my wife and my family and I'm handling my personal business and I'm here to do a comedy show. So let's put all that stuff out because it's not going to get broached ever again. That's the end of that. So do you want to do a comedy show tonight? Because I'd like to do one for you. And people loved it. And then it, it's like it disappeared. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, other people in the media that whatever that happens in their family relationships, whether it's domestic abuse or affairs or children with other women or whatever, it seems to explode for certain people and some others for not. So we're, we're just, we're hypocritical over who we choose to bury. You know what I mean? We're, we're, uh, we love throwing stones. Uh, the society loves to be like, fuck you, but that guy's cool. He can have a second chance, but this guy, he never gets to come back. You know, Michael Vick never gets to come back, even though you're cool with people doing way more fucked up shit than him. And they don't even think twice, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I think it's, it's, it's cra- it's wild. It's, it's it just, it's just like, uh, it gets, it gets me angry for a long time. It used to make me really, really mad because of how people were getting, you know, people in our business were getting called out for things, you know, at, to different varying levels. And you do want to, you do want people to get called out if they, if they do fucked up shit. But at the same time, so many people were getting, the different levels of judgment were, was uh, always odd to me. I was like, why is that guy in more trouble than that dude? Because I feel like that shit was way worse than that shit, you know? Yeah. That, I, I think everything slowed down now as far as people getting called out, quote unquote, because uh, for for whatever reason they're getting called out for, because of fucking the pandemic has given perspective. I, th- I think, I feel like people have gotten some perspective on life because of this. Yeah, now people want to fuck. They're like, please let me get out there and start fucking again. <laughs> Yeah, please, please. I know if I read, I can't read another joke on Twitter by uh, by any of my female friends or coworkers, com- uh, uh, comics, how, how much they masturbate. I've never read so much I yeah, masturbate yeah. jokes <laughs> in my life out of women. Not one dude friend of mine is being like, oh, I'm jerking off a lot. But every girlfriend that I have on Twitter, comic or not, is like, Oh my God, I broke two vibrators. It's like every joke out of out of them. It's so funny how it's switched now. It's like, dudes always talk about their dick. It's like, well, during a pandemic, women only talk about breaking vibrators. It's, it's all like I that read, Seinfeld dude. episode where, where the garbage, the garbage strike is happening. Now it's piling exactly. up. <laughs> yeah, it's piling up. <laughs> She's used to the Run. garbage man coming and taking everything away. <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh that's exact. That's precisely what it is. Because I feel like I feel like people are. Uh, I feel like people. I I would love to know how many people are secretly fucking during the pandemic. Like who, how many people are secretly sneaking away? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. I would love to know those numbers. Yeah. Who's doing the night call still? Yeah. Who's like that? Who's that horny? Or also like who's that noble? Who's who is that horny and turning it away? Right. Who's that brave soldier? <laughs> right, right. Right. Like if you were single, what like. This this was a, like that. Neither of us are single, but I I I gotta see. I gotta I gotta hear my friends talk about that. They're like, I've had one friend. I'm not gonna mention his name because you know him. You know him as well. And he was like, dude, she's been isolating. I've been isolating. Don't you think it's fine if I go over there? I'm like, I don't know, man. She has <laughs> she has a roommate. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, it, 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 I was like, you're factoring all this stuff in. But it, it sounds like from the outside world, we're talking about. Like if she has an STD, do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, she's clean. I'm sure her roommate's clean. I mean, I, <laughs> the way we were talking about it, he's like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Right. I mean, I, I asked her, she said, yes. It's the, same line of, <laughs> it's the same line as being like, are you clean? Have you been tested? It's that same idea. We were talking about it. And I told him, I was like, I, you're taking a risk, dude. I, I mean, 
do it if you want to do it. I'm just saying, like, you don't know her fucking roommate. And he doesn't know this girl that well either. You know, they've, they've hung out a few times before this, but that's it. I was like, I don't know, man. Fucking... Can't uh, this is why I'm happy it. that Can't I'm not risk. out there like yeah. that. Oh, know? it is beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> that part. Make a, of- make a, trying to make a pandemic baby, man. <laughs> trying to make a... Trying to make baby COVID right now. So we'll see what happens. There's going to be a lot of COVIDs born. A lot of of little COVID juniors. Um, So, Ron, I love you. I thank you for doing this with me. I I end the episode the same way every every time. Uh, I I want the guests to say either one word or one phrase directly into the camera that they they think encapsulates, like, whatever is going on in their life or their brain. Just one word to end the episode or one phrase. You go ahead and do it. Magic. In here... We pour whisk, 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 whisk. Oh, that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. Gingers are hell no. This whiskey is excellent. Ginger. I like gingers.